MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. Today, Michigan holds the Kraken sanctions hearing. Texas Democrats plan to stop the Republican voter suppression bill. Cubans take to the streets in the biggest protests there in decades. The Department of Health and Human Services spending bill advances without the Hyde Act. And the mainstream media catches on to a story we reported last September. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana, welcome back. I feel like it's been forever. It has. And I've only missed like one scheduled day, but it it does feel like it's been a really long time. It's good to be back. How was your show? How did it go in Palm Springs? You know, it was the perfect audience and the perfect comics. Everyone was so happy to be there. A very generous audience. It felt great to be on stage. And I met one of our uh, regulars, Tim, after the show. He was delightful. It was just, it felt like I had missed a beat. I really needed it. And the laughter was fulfilling for sure. Ah, good. I'm so glad. I'm glad. Yeah. I wish I could have been there. I had had a bunch of stuff I had to catch up and write. I wanted to make it, but I wasn't able to make it. But I'm going to make it to the next one, I promise. You're a very busy lady. And hopefully the next one, if it's local in California, maybe I can figure out something in San Diego and then you won't have any excuse. Heck yeah. Do it in my living room. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do a house concert. Boom. Done. (laughs) We do free backyard concert. We can call it the hidden show and and we'll, Why not? we'll be like four people. All right. Anyway, I'm super glad to have you back. We have a great show, a very news filled show. I'm also going to be talking to Adam Klasfeld later uh, in the show to discuss the, the crack and sanctions hearing that took place today. Oh, my goodness. It was wow. I, I feel like there's going to be some good comedy in that segment. Yeah. Just FYI. Lots, lots. So we might as well. We might as well get to it right now. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Lead story today. Wheels up for Texas Democrats. Democrats in the Texas House of Representatives left the state of Texas Monday afternoon en route to Washington, D.C. in a bid to again deny Republicans the quorum they need to pass new voter suppression laws with 26 days left in a special legislative session called largely for that purpose. Now, upping the ante in both the legislative fight at home and the national debate over voting rights, most House Democrats boarded two planes out of Austin headed for the United States Capitol without a set return date. Uh, At least 51 of the 67 Democratic representatives, which is the number needed to break quorum, were in the process of leaving Monday afternoon. The House is set to reconvene Tuesday morning. That's today. But the absent Democrats would mean there will not be enough members present to conduct business under House rules. On Monday, Democrats indicated they were renewing their calls for Congress in D.C. to pass far reaching federal legislation that would preempt significant portions of the Texas bills and reinstate federal oversight of elections in states with troubling records. Quote, we are now taking the fight to our nation's capital. That's what they said in their statement. We are living on borrowed time in Texas. But. Even if Democratic lawmakers stay out of the state for the next few weeks, the governor could continue to call 30 day sessions or add voting restrictions to the agenda when the legislature takes the redrawing of the state's political maps later this summer. Monday's mass departure follows a Democratic walkout in May that we talked about. That's the one that kept Republicans from passing their priority voting bill at the end of the regular legislative session. Mm -hmm. For weeks, Democrats have sort of hinted that they were going to skip town during this new special session, which, like I said, was pretty much called for the very purpose of passing this voter suppression law. Like not in a Ted Cruz kind of skipping town kind of way, like in a good a good way. Not in a Cancun way. No. Yeah. In a D.C. way. (laughs) Now, according to House rules adopted at the beginning of the regular session, two thirds of the 150 member chamber must be present to conduct business. When the House is in session, legislators can vote to lock chamber doors to prevent colleagues from leaving. And they can order law enforcement to track down lawmakers who have fled. If a quorum is not present when the House convenes Tuesday, any House member, any one of them can move to make what's known as a call of the House to secure and maintain a quorum to consider a certain piece of legislation. That's under the chamber rules. That motion must be seconded by 15 members 
and ordered by a majority vote. If that happens, the missing Democrats will become legislative fugitives, which sounds fucking badass. And I hope right. the Democrats cling <laughs> to that message. Like we are done. We are legislative fugitives in the name of voting rights. Like that's we're done with this bullshit. That's awesome to me. And I hope they glom on to that legislative fugitives title because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Oh, my. I'm just glad that Democrats are starting to get a backbone. It really feels like around these voting bills, they're starting to realize what they can and cannot do and the power that they have. So Mm. let that continue. And speaking of power, there are thousands of Cubans took to the streets across the country on Sunday in an unusual protest in which civilians shouted slogans against the communist government, such as we want freedom and we are no longer afraid. So the demonstrations came at a time when Cuba faces the worst economic crisis since the fall of the Soviet Union. An increase in repression against political opponents and a strained health care system during a critical stage of the pandemic. So health authorities have reported almost 7,000 new cases and 47 deaths. That's a record for infections and deaths on the Caribbean island of just over 11 million people. In Miami, what's really interesting, hundreds of people have gathered in Little Havana neighborhood in solidarity with the growing protest in Cuba. And the quote, I know my family in Cuba is struggling. People are dying. It's terrible. This is a Miami resident, Christian Guzman, told NBC station WTVJ. So Cubans in several provinces contacted by Noticias del Mundo confirmed that the government, which controls the only Internet provider company, the only internet provider company on the island has caused service outages to prevent live broadcasts. This is some crazy shit. In recent days, Cuban exiles and high-profile personalities have joined the hashtag SOS Cuba campaign to demand that the island's authorities open a humanitarian channel that allows the entry of medicines and supplies to treat the almost 240,000 patients with coronavirus. They're not letting those in. So these mass protests are rare in the island. And when they do occur, they're quickly put down. Cuban politicians and the official press, the only one allowed by law in Cuba, often discredit descendants by saying that they uh, respond to the interests of the United States Uh. and that they receive funding for subversion. Mm. Right? Interesting. The Biden administration has responded saying, quote, we stand with Cuban people and their clarion call for freedom and relief from the tragic grip of the pandemic and from the decades of oppression and economic suffering to which they have been subjected by Cuba's authoritarian regime. Now, what's interesting, and I've seen this all over Twitter, Republicans are also supporting the protest too, but they're turning it, calling it the uprising, a call. They're calling this uprising a call for freedom from socialism in an attempt to equate the regime there to what Democrats want for America. The S word, it's so, so scary. Yeah, that's communism. I'm glad that the Biden administration came out and made that statement, you know, Cuba's authoritarian regime, you know, because, I mean, it's very, we're going to see a lot of convoluting of, you know, de- what Democrats want for America and what the Cubans are fighting against. They're going to, of course, try to equate that. And it's absolutely incorrect. And the Democratic frontrunner for an open congressional seat in Ohio, Nina Turner, pledged in January that she would not accept campaign contributions from lobbyists or corporations. But weeks later, she did. <laughs> uh, I just come on. Quote, I'm not taking any corporate PAC or lobbyist money, she says. That's what she tweeted on January 16th. If I'm elected, my seat will belong to the people, Ohio's 11th district. But according to the FEC records, the Turner campaign reported a March 31st donation of a thousand bucks from the director of Amare Public Affairs. If that sounds familiar, it sounds familiar to Beans listeners. And AG followers, mm-hmm. because a firm Turner founded last September as an offshoot of Mercury Public Affairs is her this whole PR firm she put together. That's Amare. And on January 19th, three days after her tweet, three days after her tweet, Turner accepted 250 bucks from a partner at Mercury per some FEC filings. Now, last September, last September, mm, 2020, I wrote this on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I wrote this on Twitter. Let me pull this up here because uh, I just... I'm, I'm I'm feeling a little I'm feeling a little shat upon by the mainstream media today. I said this in September 24th of 2020 breaking Nina Turner, Bernie Sanders campaign co-chair in 2020 is starting her own PR firm with Mercury Public Affairs, the same lobbying firm funded by Russia that Manafort hired to spiff up the image of Russian backed Ukrainian President Yanukovych. 
From Politico this week, Sanders' ally starts her own firm. Former Ohio State Senator Nina Turner, who served as a co-chair for Senator Bernie Sanders' presidential campaign, starting her own public affairs firm, Amare Public Affairs, which will handle comms, crisis management, grassroots work, etc., That's what Turner said in an interview. She's starting the firm in partnership with Mercury after talking with Charlie King, a Mercury partner. In some cases, we will work together. In other ways, we may not, she said. Now, I went on to tweet about the connection that the New York Times reported about firms recruited by Paul Manafort. I I published in 2019, I put up my receipts for Mercury being funded by the Russians and being part of Paul Manafort. Mm-hmm. I put up a thing about Senators Sanders' previous campaign manager, Tad Devine, who worked for Manafort, too, preaching the evils of money in politics while cashing in for a Russian-backed separatist candidate. I put that little thing up there. So that was my reporting back in September. Now, despite that reporting on Twitter and on this podcast, and I realize I'm not the mainstream media, okay? I'm not so big in my own head. But the Daily Beast says, While Turner's link to Mercury may have been a matter of public record, it hasn't been widely reported beyond a Mercury press release announcing its sponsorship of her firm. And Turner, an outspoken anti-corporate progressive and national co-chair for Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign, may have good reasons to keep the low-profile connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, (laughs) not widely reported. I fucking screamed it, but... You know, congratulations to everyone who who heard me because you were, let's see, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, 10 months ahead of the mainstream media. Congratulations. (laughs) And because of you, A.G., that was simply because of you. I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little, I don't know, bristly today about that. Yeah. Yeah. The sketch doesn't just happen on the right. Uh, There's also some people uh, left of center that we need to. Uh, invest, you know, look into sometimes. Just look into. Just report the facts. Just report the facts. Yeah, that's it. That's all you got to do. Otherwise, you're tripping over your own dick when you're about to cross the finish line. And can we stop doing that, please? Thank you. Dude, I trip over my own dick all the time. Oh, someone in my show said that I had big uh, big dick lesbian energy. I like it. Lesbian big dick energy. Something like that. Right. Just this confidence when I walked away. I was like, hell yeah. All right, I'll take Swing it. it. All right. Going on to something that has nothing to do with what I was just talking about. I have no transition. So here we go. A key house subcommittee on Monday cleared a spending bill for the Department of Health and Human Services, the HHS, without including a decades old rider prohibiting funding for abortions. It's kicking off what is likely to be a long and bruising fight. So this is for the first time in 40 years. The Hyde Amendment was excluded from the spending bill introduced and then cleared by the House Appropriations Labor Health and Human Services Committee. So the HHS bill also does not include the Weldon Amendment, which has been in place since 2005 and prohibits denying federal funding to entities that do not want to cover or provide abortion services. This is very interesting. Left them both out. The legislation now goes to the full Appropriations Committee for a markup and eventual vote. So the Hyde Amendment bans federal programs such as Medicaid from covering the cost of abortion services. The ban has been added to the federal spending bills every year since 1976. They've had quite the string. Now, while it's been sticking point, this has been a sticking point in healthcare legislation negotiations. The amendment has also enjoyed bipartisan support as a compromise position between Republicans and Democrats. So many Democrats argue that the decades-old ban disproportionately impacts low-income women who rely on Medicaid for health care. Mm-hmm. It does. Mm-hmm. Both Democrats and Republicans have supported the Hyde Amendment in annual government spending bills, but vocal opponents have upped the pressure in recent years to lift the ban. So during the campaign, Biden reversed his previous longtime support for the measure and pledged to end it after coming under intense pressure from fellow Democrats and advocacy groups. His $6 trillion budget request released in May does not include the amendment. Fuck yeah. This since 1976, 45 years the shit has been. They're arguing it and trying to make concessions and it's not in there this time. I love this. I, I hate the hide. I hate, I hate it. I hate the hide. It's amendment. bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. Like you said, it's been Democrats sort of like, all right, look, you let us keep the Roe v. Wade thing. We'll do the healthcare stuff and we won't let people spend public taxpayer money on abortion. Right. Which there's not. Right. And that's why for the last fucking 30 years, when Republicans are like, my tax money goes to Planned Parenthood and it's paying for abortions. We're always like, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's because of the Hyde Amendment. Right. Right. I'm against it. I want it pulled out and I'm glad they've pulled it out. We'll see if it ends up having to be shoved back in there with people like Cinema and Mansion 
even if we do oh. pass this budget reconciliation without the Republicans, I don't think we have 50 Democrats that are going to be willing to just tank the Hyde Act. Honestly, I really don't. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think it would sh- it'd be shocking to mm. me. Shocking. Yeah, me too. But God, that's cool that they didn't put it in there because it, it's going to force certain Democrats to have to ask for it back. Right. So I love that. All right, everybody. <laughs> we'll be right back with Adam Klasfeld to discuss the incredible sanctions hearing for the Kraken lawyers this morning. Six hours of absolute bullshit directly into your ears. <laughs> <laughs> for a more legal, legal style analysis, join Andrew Torres and I tomorrow for cleanup on aisle 45. And of course, Adam Klasfeld, we're going to do a legal analysis, but I also say a lot of words like fucking shit and stuff. So it's a little less technical this interview coming up, but it's got very, very important technical legal information in it as well. I just wanted you to know, news with swears. So stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Allison. And today's episode of The Beans is brought to you by Fiverr. They connect businesses with freelancers to change how the world works together. In my experience, managing a team and getting everyone on the same page is a huge challenge. Uh, It can be very, very daunting, especially when your freelancers kind of go rogue. But Fiverr Business takes the stress out of group projects by making it easy to find and manage top talent. With Fiverr Business, you get access to an all-star team of super freelancers, plus all the tools and support you need to easily integrate them into your existing workflow. So when it's time to nail your next big brand refresh or product launch or investor pitch, you can feel confident with Fiverr covering all your bases. If you're hoping to grow your team and business, I really highly recommend getting Fiverr Business's help. I've definitely found managing a growing business can get complicated quickly. So for my next podcast project, I'm going to be using Fiverr. Fiverr Business simplifies working with multiple freelancers and matches you with the best talent for every project. So stop wasting time searching for talent. Just leave it to Fiverr Business. No more endless guessing and no more interviews. Plus, save and share your favorite freelancers for future projects. It's a simple way to set your business up for success and vastly increase productivity. Collaborating online hasn't been this easy since, well, ever. And right now, you can sign up for Fiverr Business absolutely free for the first year. Get one free year and save 10% on your purchase of Fiverr Business with promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word. Just go to Fiverr, that's F-I-V-E-R-R dot com slash business, and then use promo code Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, okay, <laughs> I am joined by the host of the Objections podcast, Adam Klasfeld, who has been on the show recently in recent weeks to discuss the sanctions hearing for the Elite Strike Force Kraken thing uh, in Michigan. That, you know, we've been talking about and I know that uh, we talked about this last Friday. We're going to go over the sanctions hearing that actually took place today. Please welcome Adam Klasfeld. Adam, hello. Hi, thank you for having me, Allison. (laughs) I had to have you back to talk about this. Logged on early this morning, around seven or something on the best coast. And wow. So real briefly, you and I, I think, talked last last week about how the lawyers had asked for a continuance and they got it from July 6th to July 12th or July, something like that because of the holiday. And then they put in a motion saying, hey, can we have our lawyers represent us in this Zoom call? And, and you know, we said, there's no way she's going to let that happen. And then lo and behold, a few minutes later, she denied that motion. And then we had the hearing today. And I would like I have some top line thoughts on this, but I would like your top line thoughts on this hearing. (laughs) Well, my top line thoughts is uh, let's start with the way that it ended. It ended with Sidney Powell claiming that the proceedings show why the American people don't trust the elections and the judiciary. Now, that's not a thing that you say to a federal judge if you anticipate winning the proceedings. So after six hours of a thorough, let's just call it a pummeling, uh, it appears to seem that the Kraken team sees the writing on the wall. The judge systematically went through each of the affidavits that they submitted into court and said, what vetting did you do? What basis did you have to file this in a court? Um, some of them by sworn witnesses who were, in some cases, filing under pseudonyms only to be discovered by the Washington Post, allegedly wildly inflating their credentials. Uh, the judge said of one of these affidavits, not related to a pseudonym witness, but a different one, uh, said the affidavit was really fantastical. And she said to the lawyers, what 
as officers of a, of the court, she said, gave you made you think that this was fit to be submitted. And in almost every case, the lawyers for the Kraken team uh, said they want an evidentiary hearing. But as legal experts have noted, they're getting it precisely backwards. First, you are supposed to vet the affidavit to see if there's any substance in them and and see whether there should be discovery or a hearing. It just went from the looks of it very badly for the Kraken team. Uh, remember, the judge was asked, the motion before her is to refer each and every member of the team for disbarment proceedings. The other top line uh, thing and part of my headline on the story for Law and Crime was that Lynn Wood distanced himself from the entire affair. Now, after being associated with the Michigan Kraken litigation, it, you know, people mostly reported on it in the context of Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood's litigation. Lo and behold, Lynn Wood goes to court today and says, I had nothing to do with the drafting of the complaint. I didn't have anything to do with any of the filings. And he distanced himself from it. He claims that these proceedings shouldn't be about him at all. And there was a tense moment in, in my mind, it, you know, as an observer of the proceedings, where Sidney Powell, that puts her in a pretty tough spot because it basically says that his name was put in there for reasons unknown. And she said, essentially, to the judge that she wouldn't have knowingly put a name on it uh, if if she thought it was unauthorized and she said, well, maybe there was some misunderstanding. So they went in with a bunch of confidence. Now there are people appearing to uh, distance themselves from the very thing. Now that it heads to a very serious standpoint uh, where the sanctions motion before the judge is whether they're going to be referred for disbarment proceedings. Yeah, and and in fact, what the point you just brought up is the actually actually the only tweet I tweeted while watching this. I didn't live tweet the entire thing. The only tweet I put out was, "Oh my gosh, Lynn Wood just got up and said, I just want to say my name's not any of this. I don't have an S bar signature or an S slash signature on this. Mm. I just want you to know my name's not on this. My name's not on this. My name's not on this." And there seemed to be a lot of that kind of going around, right? But that was like the most uh, uh, declarative point. And then, of course, at the end, which you also brought up, Sidney Powell said, I just want to say I take full responsibility for all of this. Right. This was my filing. And this kind of makes me think that somebody there was some sort of an agreement going in, some sort of a, an alliance, some sort of a Survivor Island alliance <laughs> for Team Kraken that Sidney Powell was going to take responsibility for this and not, nobody else. The one lady was just a contractor, not a W-2 and I didn't have my name on it. And it's all, you know, Sidney Powell. And Sidney Powell came in and swooped up and said that at the end. I, I take full responsibility for this. Right. I thought that was interesting. And also, let's not forget one of the a former Trump administration staffer who was on board with this. Uh, she said through her attorney, her big law attorney, that she was only in it for a sum total of five hours. So after coming in with a lot of uh, storm and thunder, and Sturm and Drang, they're all kind of trying to mitigate the damage, it seems. Point by point, as uh, Judge Parker, right, Judge Parker? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah, as she was going claim by claim in the claim, you know, referring to affidavits piece by piece, as she was doing that, it seemed like the defense coming from Campbell and Holler was that, well, these affidavits were used in another previous case tried by Judge Kenny. Was that case, I think the case was called Constantine. Was it, what was the name of that case? Constantino, correct. Constantino. And my question to you is, and so they said, well, because it was used in another case, we just assumed those lawyers did their due diligence. Who were the lawyers that filed the stuff in the, the affidavits in the Constantino case? Do you know? So that you, you make a great point here, Allison. What a theme that kept going on here is that the, attorneys for the Kraken team just kept saying, passing the buck, saying that, well, this came in, this affidavit was filed in the Constantino case. And I believe there were a couple of other cases. Remember, there are a number of different lawsuits in Michigan, Constantino being one of them. And the judge kept responding, just because these affidavits exist in another litigation doesn't mean you're scot-free. You need to do some vetting. 
and she questioned them about what vetting that they did. Uh, I'll give you an example. One of the, I believe it was also in the Constantino case, uh, there was an affidavit that was known as the triple hearsay affidavit. (laughs) Um, um, (laughs) So I'm just pulling up uh, the citation here. It, it, it could, I just want to give a little bit of a caveat. There were a couple of, <laughs> there are so many of these litigations. So, but in, in one of the other Michigan proceedings that was discussed in court today, there was the triple hearsay affidavit where a judge in state court basically said, come on now. That was literally what that judge interjected saying, what are you putting in front of me? This is basically an affidavit that says, I heard someone else say something. That was an affidavit that the Kraken team thought would complement and supplement the outlandish claims of election fraud that they were making in federal court. So they used that affidavit in their litigation. The federal judge, Judge Parker, questioned them about that one today. Yeah, and I'll give that to you right here for my notes. The judge wants to look at the Conarn affidavit that said I was working as the attorney acting as a poll challenger when I was approached by a GOP challenger that stated that they heard a hired poll worker in Wayne County was nearly in tears because she was being told by other poll workers to change the date when the ballots were received. So he said he was an attorney acting as a poll challenger. Someone else told him a hired poll worker was in tears because she was being told by other poll workers at her table to change ballot dates. So Conarn states that a person was told by a second person who was told by their persons who was told by another person to backdate the ballots and then asked, is it appropriate to use triple hearsay testimony that you have no hope of introducing into testimony? (laughs) That was the question. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in Constantino, I believe this was actually a separate litigation. There was this poll challenger uh, named Gustafson, and he claimed that uh, ballots were delivered to the TCF Center in what appeared to be mail bins with open tops. So he, this person's affidavit doesn't, you know, it it alleges that something was insecure, um, but it was a very attenuated uh, a- declaration. Again, with the theme of this hearing, Judge Parker just asked them, what betting did you do of this? Okay, someone claims this. What your obligation as officers of this court is to vet to see if there's any substance to these allegations or if anything happened that actually supports the case that you're making. Time and again, she was met when pressing them with essentially shrugs and demands for further fact gathering. So it, like I said, from the outset, it did not go, it did not appear to go well for team Bracken and they appeared to know that. Yeah, I know. And it looks like the attorneys in the Constantino case were David Kalman and Jack Jordan and Aaron Mercino, who I, I don't know who those people are, but I just found it interesting that their defense was, well, this was filed in another case. And Fink, who is the Michigan attorney, kept saying, yeah, but, (laughs) you know, that case, Judge Kenny specifically and explicitly said that those affidavits were misleading or fantastical or et cetera. And that happened before you filed this case. Mm -hmm. So even 10 seconds uh, of some kind of due diligence would have brought that up. And, And there were just example after example because the judge said, but the issue uh, is that we have a few affidavits filed in the Constantino case. So the question I have is, to what extent did you review the content of the affidavits before you included them in this complaint? Did you did anything you see make you say, wait a minute, let me understand what this is? And and Holler was confused by that standard. She said we submitted in good faith because these were signed and submitted in another case. My understanding is for sanctions, we need bad faith. So yes, this was included in our complaint as a source. And that's why we have discovery. So I'm confused as to what you're talking about. And so they went back and forth on this whole kind of, well, if you would just 
give us an evidentiary hearing. And if you would have allowed the case to go forward, then you could have done the work that we were supposed to do and found out that these witnesses were full of shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it was quite incredible. And it came to a head at one point. Are you talking about when Campbell kept interrupting? When Campbell kept... Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you saw right where I was going toward. You had Campbell making statements uh, that he was... Uh, shocked by what the judge was looking into and that she would have any problem with this. And it led to a very contentious back and forth and, you know, bordering, uh, condescending to a federal judge. And it led to the point where David Fink, Detroit's attorney who brought this sanctions motion, uh, said that he was concerned about the disrespect toward the court. I mean, it if they were trying to ingratiate themselves to the court, which has the power right now, has a motion before right now, requesting their referral to the chief judge for disbarment proceedings and claiming that the chief judge has the constitutional power to refer it to their attorney disciplinary boards. That's what the Detroit sanctions motion says. Um, There did not appear to be any effort to try to charm or (laughs) cajole the judge, and that's not their obligation. But but what's so striking is that they were just so... Some of their comments were you know, borderline condescending, if not well beyond that border. Yeah. And Fink actually brought it up. I'm. He's like, I just want to uh, say here that I think it's disgusting how <laughs> these people are treating the court. <laughs> uh, I do have to take a quick break, but I want to talk about that specific coming to a head point. Uh, will you stay with me? Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Allison. Uh, these days, so many products are mass produced quickly and cheaply. Uh, they're designed to be temporary. So we have to buy more and pile them in and keep throwing them away and rebuying them. Ugh, and the cheap often comes out more expensive and it ends up in the landfills. It's not sustainable. It hasn't always been this way. I remember in the past, my grandparents had this great stereo system in their living room. It was all encased in wood. It was like a radio inside a piece of furniture. And that system lasted forever. My The grandparents had it, then my dad had it, and then I had it up to college. <laughs> it still works today. It outlasted every music device and cell phone I've ever owned. Craftsmanship like that is why American Giant is bringing back old stuff the way that we used to make things in the United States. Bayard Winthrop, CEO, he was determined and committed to making the greatest t-shirt ever because he wasn't satisfied with what was on the market. He said, when you spend your time making clothes in the U.S., it causes you to think about the great American styles. And there's no question the t-shirt is at the top. American Giant's best-selling premium slub tees iconic silhouette is made the right way with quality care right here in the United States. They stay in close partnership with their suppliers with products built to last. Made with custom heavyweight slub fabric that is non-see-through and non-twerking, like unlike other slub tees on the market. American Giant spent over a year obsessing over the fabric and testing several variations until they found the perfect one. It's rich and varied texture, gives it a unique look, and it holds its shape after wash and wear. It's truly amazing. The quality of American Giant tees is standout. When I first grabbed the premium tee, it felt more substantial. It seemed like they put more care into making it, and it's going to last forever. And I love that they're made in Los Angeles with 100% American-grown cotton. Durable, beautiful, and they fit and feel amazing. So let American Giant play a supporting role in your style. Get your new favorite tees at American-Giant.com and use promo code DAILYBEANS for 15% off your order. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at American-Giant.com. And the show today is also brought to you by Allform. You know how I feel about Allform. I absolutely love their high-quality furniture, and it fits your personal style to your own specifications. Their sofas and chairs are designed just for you in mind, and they're delivered directly to you with fast-free shipping. You get to customize your own luxury furniture using premium materials. You pick your fabric color, and the fabric is spill stain and scratch resistant. You pick the leg finish and the sofa size and configuration. So it's perfect for you and your home. I picked out a three-seater sofa and customized it with whiskey-colored leather. I got a walnut leg finish because of my mid-century mod vibe and a chaise lounge on the side. It's wonderful. Came in three days. I put it together myself with no tools needed. And, you know, it's so different from those other custom sofa stores, which takes months to get. And somebody has to come and build it for you in your house. But not this. Super fast, easy. You put it together yourself. It's awesome. And they have armchairs and love seats all the way up to eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add on later if your house gets bigger or your family gets bigger. And you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. So there's no risk. And they have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. I'm talking to Adam Klasfeld, host of the Objections podcast about the sanctions hearing for the Kraken team today in Michigan. And before the break, I had alluded to and you were talking about when this came to a head. And there were multiple occasions when Campbell 
who was representing, who was he representing? Powell? He represents the Kraken team, uh, writ large, minus the one who independently retained counsel. (laughs) Got it. Probably for the best, because this guy was a jerk (laughs) to the judge. (laughs) And I think I have that part in front of me when the judge said, but the issue is that we have a few affidavits filed in the Constantino case, right? And I talked about all that and, and Haller. And then, so the judge responded to Haller about, you know, hey, we did this in good faith, not bad faith. And she said, seems to me you're concluding you don't have any obligation to inquire because these were sworn affidavits. And then Campbell interrupts the judge and says, I'm sorry, can I finish, judge? Uh, This was submitted in another case by lawyers who should have done the diligence. The judge tried to say, so that's a no. But he interrupted her again and says, if I may judge, and then repeated exactly what he had said before. He didn't add any new information. And I, th- I was like, wow, that's, um, that was, he doesn't, you're right. He doesn't expect to win today. It's <laughs> pretty much what's going on here because that was just so incredibly rude. And I know that Fink said, I, you know, later on, I, I don't know. He made a point well, to say, I think it's outlandish the way that these folks are speaking to the court right now. I have the exchange in front of me right now. Uh, so Campbell claimed to be shocked by something that Judge Parker said. And then Judge Parker replied, I would caution you not to question my procedure. Campbell responded in part, I am not a potted plant. And that's when Fink responded, I am concerned about the disrespect for the court. And that didn't come in a vacuum. That exchange was part of a lengthy back and forth throughout the proceedings. Uh, there, There, like I said, was no attempt to uh, you know, even in tone, appear to have a respectful arguing of advocacy on behalf of his clients. This was, uh, you know, at times, you know, very, very contentious. And it ended, as I said, with Powell flat out saying that the court proceedings are going to, uh, are damaging the public's faith in the judiciary, which, Mm. you know, that which is her, (laughs) clearly her perception of how things went down. I think what the public saw was Judge Parker systematically, very thoroughly over the course of the six hour hearing with a recess, go through each of these affidavits and ask them the basis for having faith in any of them. Yeah. And being met with very, very little in substance. This wasn't a judge who was uh, who was treating them at all unfairly. She granted them supplemental briefings. This was a very patient judge. Uh, that was the one kind of testy moment that I could say. And after that remark from Sidney Powell about how it's diminishing public confidence in the judiciary, the judge's reply is, thank you very much for your remarks. You know, it's yeah. very genteel professional court proceedings. Yeah. And the particular affidavit they were discussing when they had that sort of contentious moment was, uh, I found my notes here, is the Larson affidavit. And the judge said, Larson says some ballots without secrecy sleeves were counted while others were placed in a problem box and that he was perplexed by that. Right. Right. And so the judge said, can anyone agree that him being perplexed is evidence that votes were counted for Biden and not Trump? And Campbell said that absolutely constitutes evidentiary <laughs> support. And the judge said, wow, OK, just like that. Right. And then any, any affidavit, there has to be a minimal belief that these allegations are rooted in fact. If you have language in an affidavit that is vague, like perplexed, and it's clear that it's based on his own belief, that's quite a low standard for submission for an affidavit. And he goes, Seriously? The word perplexed is what you think is what you think the time and effort of this court is needed to discuss. You know, that's when she got pissed. Right. And that's when she said what you said. I'd caution you not to question my procedure. And she goes, I'm here to question what you have done. You don't worry about what I'm doing. You're here to answer my questions. Correct. And then she shut him down. And then Fink said, I'm concerned about the disrespect. But then added the reason that perplexed is so significant, the word is that the affidavit, it's an affidavit by someone who claims to have expertise. So for him to simply be perplexed and not explain why, that's where we have concern. You shouldn't be perplexed if you're an expert. Some diligence should have applied. Mr. Larson's affidavit has been reviewed by Judge Kenny, and much of it has been rejected, and counsel should have undertaken a serious inquiry. So 
it's, you know, again, in one of these multiple questionings of these affidavits over the period of six hours is when <laughs> when Campbell exploded like that. Absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, it's completely extraordinary. The, the address back and forth, you know, I've listened to a lot of federal court proceedings over the course of uh, you know, more than 10 years on the court feed. You know, it's what I do for a living. <laughs> the the tone that this lawyer set for the Kraken team, uh, it, it's an interesting approach. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And, you know, to pivot to something that was, uh, that had come up in one of our more recent conversations, you know, we'd of course been talking about Howard Kleinhendler, who was <laughs> the advocate for the uh, against Major League Baseball, trying to move the All-Star game back to Atlanta for reasons that failed spectacularly in court. And one of my ongoing questions in my mind while watching this hearing is which hearing appeared to go worse for him? Was it the MLB hearing or was it the Kraken sanctions hearing? And I'm not I'm not entirely sure on the answer to that question, but I will say this, the stakes are much higher for the reasons that I said. These sanctions that are on the table are very, very serious. And uh, at every turn, all of the counsel uh, for that team, uh, you know, they did not appear to provide what the judge was asking them, the kind of answers to the questions. And he was one of the people, he, you know, he said that uh, he was responsible for the complaint. You know, there's not even the Lynn Wood defense with him that, uh, that oh, you know, my name appears on it, but, but has nothing to do with me. Uh, Klein Hendler has put himself in the thick of it, and his answers did not, to the judge's questions, did not appear to resonate with her, to put it absolutely mildly. Yeah, and she asked him that on several occasions, Kleinfelder specifically. I, I vote for this one went worse for him. <laughs> but, you know, I remember a part where she asked, hey, did you take the time to look at these affidavits? And did you wonder, is this a part of the process? Did you wonder, should we get an expert? And this was like the 18th time she was explaining this. And she explained that this is ger a germane question because the premise of the lawsuit is that the election was fraudulent, right? You're making these claims of fraud. And Kleinfelder said, oh, we reviewed all the affidavits. We spoke to some of them. At least that's my understanding. And it's just basic knowledge that when you're transporting documents in an unsealed container, that raises suspicion. Right. Whether it's wrong or not is irrelevant, he said. So I, he says, I want to make the point clear. If you're bringing something from far away and it's open, that raises an issue. If I brought you an unopened can of Coke, judge, would you drink it? <laughs> she goes, hey, look, this is an election that's been run the same way for years. So your analogy is not on point. And he says, well, I reject the mantra that we did this as a publicity stunt. We did right. not. We filed on behalf of the plaintiffs that asked us to file it. Yeah. Right. There was a lot of indignation in lieu of argument. There was, in terms of the, you know, I mean, at one point in, in the MLB hearings, the, you know, Judge uh, Judge Valerie Caproni shouted out, yeah. for God's sake. Judge Parker didn't say that during this hearing. So, you know, like I said, it, let's say on that point, you know, point uh, <laughs> Judge Caproni. But but I think you're right. There were some very tense moments like the one that you uh, flagged right there. Yeah, she didn't say she didn't say for God's sake, but she did say, OK, wow, in response to uh, something that Campbell said. So, <laughs> 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 I mean. That is true. That is true. It, it, it's tough to keep up with the interjections with this. Uh, we will definitely agree on, with one thing, at least right now, because there has not been a sanctions motion to date in the MLB litigation. The consequences for this hearing could be far more serious. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm weighing, right, as an element are the consequences of this sanctions hearing. So two more questions for you. She asked for some supplemental documents, and I believe that that had to supplemental filings. And I believe that had to do with Fink uh, showing the timeline for when he alerted these attorneys to the fact that they were being called to the floor for sanctions. Is that kind of what she's looking for there? Right. Since they're asserting this sort of defense of were we adequately notified, that seems to be a fairly new argument. Um, and so she has to hear that sec separately because that has, isn't as a separate issue, it's something that hasn't been briefed. And it shows 
you know, she sees that this is going to, I I would imagine that any federal judge would know that a decision would be appealed. Uh, and she is crossing every T, dotting every I. She did some housekeeping before the hearing began by denying any kind of certain pending motions before her. Uh, she has a very neat and tidy record. And she has, as I said earlier, systematically gone through the court's very prodigious record and, you know, cleaned up any point who did what, who knew what, who vetted what. And so she made sure to tidy the record in front of her, uh, which is prodigious. And she said, we've killed enough trees here uh, in a nod to just how much this stack of paperwork went into this Kraken saga. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and that was even a defense by Sidney Powell. Hey, we we attached those 900,000, thousand pages of affidavit. We didn't even have to do that. Right. And she's like, it's not about how many pages you attach. It's about whether or not you actually vet the information that's in them. Now, did she give a deadline for these briefings filings? I don't remember. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not, I don't believe so. I think that she said, though, that she was going to set a briefing schedule. She said she'll issue an opinion and order in, in the time to come. But before that, she would essentially give another one setting out the path ahead. Mm-hmm. So this is still ongoing, but uh, it's not looking good for the team cracking. And uh, possible consequences in a sanctions hearing. I've never been to one. I don't know what the actual possible sanctions are. Can they be have their law license suspended, be disbarred, be fined? What are held in contempt, jail time? Like, what are the possible punishments for sanctions? So the sanctions being requested, the ones on the table here, are for are from Detroit's lawyer David Fink. He has asked for their referral to the chief judge for disbarment proceedings to stop them from being uh, from appearing in the Eastern District of Michigan. Beyond that, he claims that that chief judge, if Judge Parker refers the matter to the chief judge, the chief judge has the power to refer it to the attorney disciplinary boards. Now, remember, Michigan's lawyers also filed complaints directly with the Bar Association. So at the top level, we're talking uh, the possibility of starting disbarment proceedings. Now, on the kind of other end of it, they think argue that the taxpayers should be compensated. He gave a very passionate closing speech, a very uh, very strong, uh, as a lawyer, uh, very indignant and passionate in the courtroom, talked about how the big lie set the stage for the January 6th siege of the Capitol and noted that he filed his sanctions motion the day before the Capitol siege. So uh, he has he's the one who on that most of the argument, it's his sanctions motion that this is. So we're talking the upper limits is the potential for the initiation of disbarment proceedings. And on the lower end, we're talking uh, monetary sanctions are possible and their inability to practice law in the Eastern District of Michigan is another potential one. And remember, she called each lawyer who appeared on any pleading or filing into court. So it might not be, you know, we can have varying degrees of sanctions depending on what the judge finds is culpability. So one person can be referred for disbarment proceedings. Someone can have a lighter financial sanction than others. Uh, And that's why, um, presumably, she called every single attorney (laughs) to appear in Zoom court, making it a very, very crowded Zoom court indeed. All right. You ready for my prediction? Yep. Now that I know the potential consequences, I think all those lawyers will be barred from practicing in the Eastern District. I think some of them will be required to pay monetary, what do you call that? Restitution, penalties, penalties, fines. And I think at the very least, Sidney Powell will be referred to the chief judge for her role in this for potential disbarment proceedings. I don't think that the contractor five hour lady might be, you know, put in for disbarment proceedings or, Mm. and I don't know how involved Lynn Wood was. That'll be something that the judge has to determine. 
But I think at the very least, we could see the the worst hits come for Powell, which I think would include also the barring of working in the Eastern District of Michigan and money problems, money fines as well. That's Mm. what I think is going to happen. Nobody's going to walk scot-free on this for sure. (laughs) Well, you know, it's a matter of personal policy. I I never make (laughs) predictions. However, I will say that uh, they have been... This was a widely seen uh, sanctions hearing. They were branded uh, a embarrassment to the profession by a major American city. They were uh, scolded repeatedly by a federal judge. So a certain punishment uh, that comes with uh, having to face that sort of public scrutiny has already been had. Mm. And let's just say, so far as the other stuff goes, the judge doesn't seem pleased. No, no. And regardless of whether sanctions are imposed or not, I don't think any of these folks are ever going to work again for anybody other than Donald Trump. So <laughs> anyway, that's uh, those are my thoughts. And I really appreciate you coming on today, going over some of these uh, individual issues and, and standout moments in this really incredible, fantastical, if you will, sanctions hearing. So thank you so much for your time. Everybody check out the Objections podcast. Where can people follow you on social media? Thank you very much, Allison. At Classfeld Reports. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, hey, we'll talk soon when the decision comes down, my friend. Oh, Unless there's something really, really hilarious filed in the supplemental briefs, which should be pretty straightforward. But we'll talk again soon. <laughs> Wonderful. Always a pleasure. <laughs> a pleasure too. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news as if we needed any more. Hey everybody, it's AG for The Beans. We all know self-care is important, but sometimes it can stress you out because it changes up your routine so much, and that's why I love Caliper CBD. I've had an overall sense of calm. Uh, It's reduced my stress levels. I've had a lessening of pain and soreness. It's awesome, and the best part about Caliper CBD, I get all the benefits without drastically changing my routine. It's so convenient because they've created an easy-to-use and more effective CBD powder, which is the only clinically proven fast-acting CBD. Rather than taking slimy oils or tinctures you have to hold under your tongue that tastes gross, Caliper created a dissolvable powder with 20 milligrams on each pouch so you know exactly how much you're taking. And it delivers 30 times more CBD in the first 30 minutes versus oils and tinctures, so you can get all the benefits so much more quickly. While some CBD oils can take over an hour, this only takes like 10 minutes. Caliper CBD was developed by food and science experts. They have decades of experience. We love science here at the Daily Beans, and it's rigorously tested for purity and quality. There's no weird taste and no oily residue. It it mixes easily in food and drink, which is hard to do with the oils, right? And it's THC-free, so I can feel better without a disorienting high. It's had such a positive impact on my life that my friends and family even noticed. And the great thing is, like I said, it's all-natural, vegan, non-GMO, free of fillers and added chemicals, and no artificial flavors. And you can get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at tricaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free, risk-free for 30 days. If you do not love it, they will give you a full refund. That's tricaliper.com slash dailybeans and then use promo code dailybeans, all one word, for 20% off your first order. And today's show is also brought to you by stamps.com. Thank you to stamps.com for supporting this podcast and thanks to the listeners. And this portion of the show, like I said, brought to you by stamps.com. One of my biggest pet peeves is having time wasted. Like all the time wasted I gave in that intro to this particular ad because I read things twice. But anyway, if you're like me and you can't stand waiting in lines and wasting precious time and hard-earned cash, you need to check out Stamps.com. It's so much better than going to the post office. Mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com is so easy. They allow you to mail and ship anytime from your computer, wherever you are. You can send letters, ship packages, and you pay a lot less with discounted rates for the Postal Service and UPS. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. You get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place, plus you get big discounts on mailing and shipping rates. I found their service extremely smooth, very easy to use, user-friendly. Their customer service is amazing. Is a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices or a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail's ready, you just schedule a pickup or you drop it off. It's that easy. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40% off post office rates and up to 62% off UPS shipping rates. And Stamps.com is a no-brainer. It saves you time and money. No wonder nearly a million small businesses already use it. So stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead. There is no risk. And with our promo code DAILYBEANS, you get an offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and they'll send you a digital scale. No long-term commitments are required. No contracts. Just go to stamps.com. Click on that little microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DAILYBEANS. That's stamps.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. All right, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for the good news.
Oh, yay. Dana's back with me for the good news. We had a great Friday. It was a great good news Friday, I have to say, with Amy Carrero. But I'm happy to have you back. And we had pretty good news yesterday. And we got to have the often imitated, never duplicated Mandy Reader here to read that with me. But if you have any good news, corrections, confessions, or 8 million games we're playing right now, you can send those in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Then you put your name in there or you can say you want to remain anonymous. And then we can also use your pronouns if that's your deal. And to uh, to demonstrate, I will give the first submission. <laughs> Please. It is from anonymous pronouns, she and her. Greetings, truth mavens. Oh, I love it. I don't know if this is much a confession as it is wishful thinking. I'm so sick and tired of Tucker Carlson. Same anonymous, same. (laughs) I'm so sick of him that last night I dreamed that I confronted him and challenged him on every lie, every hypocrisy, every weaselly thing he had done to destroy America. Jesus, how long was she asleep? 48 days? (laughs) (laughs) Being my dream, he was shamed into renouncing his life's work. (laughs) Sure, it was just a dream. (laughs) But if I were really to find myself one-on-one with him, I would do the same thing. Thank you for the best news roundup around. For pet tax, I'll provide a photo of my two dogs, Colin, great name, a 15-year-old duck toller. Is that right? Hmm. Or taller? I'm not sure. Looks like taller. It could be a city in Michigan. We don't know. Right. Which would it would just be tar. And (laughs) Rory, an indeterminate breed, aged seven. No need to try to guess Rory's actual breed. We don't know and we don't care. Both were rescues and the best decisions we've ever made. Oh, they're super cute. (gasps) Rory, I have to tell you, let's see, which one? If if Rory is the one in front, Rory looks exactly like my friend Sonia's dog uh, named Chachi. Is she a Corgi Collie mix? Corgi, Golden, Australian Sheepdog, something. But there was definitely Corgi in there. Yeah. Oh, Colin is in the front. Colin's in front. Rory's in back. Oh, okay. So Colin is a duck tall. Oh, well, fuck me. It's it's Rory. That's the one that we know. <laughs> and what I think it looks like is um actually not what you told me it is. Nope. Not even close. That was hot on my part, I just must say. Mm-hmm. But what? I've never wanted you more. Either way, adorable doggos. Indeed. All right. This next one is anonymous. Pronouncing him. Goofy Lua Gomer. Has his solar panels aimed at the moon. <laughs> nice. And this is a corgi. Nice. Look at this. Yes. Yeah, like a cute picture. Cute picture. All right. We've got next from Kirsten in Bucks County. She and her are the pronouns. Good call to action news. Over the past two weeks of congressional recess, the deadline for democracy coalition. Dozens of progressive groups like Indivisible focused on voting rights and then democracy strengthening legislation has held over 350 rallies across the country to pressure the Senate and to end the filibuster and pass the For the People Act. Now, just as we were wrapping up that pressure campaign, we got the news that President Biden is coming to Philadelphia to give a voting rights speech on Tuesday, July 13th. So, of course, deadline for democracy and the Indivisibles of Pennsylvania, led by those in Philadelphia and Bucks County, are planning a massive gathering to welcome the president to Philadelphia. In addition to the hundreds who have signed up to attend, we'll have a roving LED billboard truck with For the People messaging and at least one PA state lawmaker who will be speaking to folks assembled to greet Biden. Our request to the Daily Beans listeners, please keep your eyes on Twitter on July 13th and retweet content that is using the hashtag Join Us Joe. That's the hashtag, Join Us Joe. Past presidents have used the bully pulpit to great effect to push legislation on their agenda And while we are very happy that President Biden has decided to finally start making this issue a priority, we are encouraging him to join us in working hard to ensure that GOP voter suppression efforts in the states are not allowed to stand. We're inviting him to join us in being a vocal advocate for the For the People Act and to use the decades of Senate experience to get this bill passed. So these are the handles that you're going to see at Indivisible PHL at PA underscore indivisible and at i n divisible b u x those are the three ats you'll see on twitter and social media so when you see those they'll all be on the site and tweeting so please help amplify our efforts to fight against voter suppression thanks ag dg and the rest of the daily beans crew awesome awesome amazing all right thank so you cool. thank so you. hashtag join us joe and at indivisible phl 
at PA underscore indivisible and at indivisible bucks, B-U-X. So check those out and keep an eye on that hashtag. And let's push really, really hard for this because we definitely need to get the For the People Act messaging out there. And that in combination with these Texas Democrats fucking fleeing to D.C. I mean, we really make this push. Next up from Sarah, pronouns she and her. What the mutt? What is Hesher other than obviously the goodest girl? She <gasps> is the goodest girl. <gasps> Look, at, the Look at that second picture. She's got some Labrador. German Shepherd. Lab. Maybe. She has a bit of a, a rotty snout. A Rottweiler snout. What is that gray color, though? Like Irish Wolfhound or Greyhound or Whippet or Weimaran or, you know. Is it possible she's... Up in age? Sure. I mean, it could just be. No, she just looked very, very active. She got that. Look at that tail. Shirt. That looks like a husky tail. Look how fluffy that is. Husky tail. All right, let's see what we got. She weighs 60 pounds, went gray early. Okay. Oh, okay. But had a pitch black face as a pup. Pus so dark you couldn't tell she had eyes. Is an evil genius, hates swimming, but loves snow and only sheds significantly twice a year. Ah, German <laughs> Shepherd. Oh. For six months at a time each. Oh, husky. Between her and the cat. <laughs> Pet hair is more a condiment. That's in funny. This Here's the answer. Siberian Husky. You got Ooh. it. Labrador, German Shepherd, Rottweiler. Dude. What's a bull mastiff? Oh, those giant mastiffs. Yeah. Those giant uh-huh. dogs. So we, we got... We didn't do too bad that time. Four out of five on this one. I think this is our most successful. We guessed 95%, 94% of this dog's breeds. Boom. Well I'll take done. it. I feel real good. I feel real good about this Tuesday. From Andrea, pronouns she and her. A big hello to Allison, Dana, and Amy. Huge fan. Finally have some good news to share. This good news is a result of the June 2nd Beans episode good news segment about the publication of Ostriches Eat Sausages by Robin Kelly. Oh, cool. I have a four, almost five-year-old niece who is an awesome little human and loves to read, among many other things. After hearing that Robin's new alphabet book was available, I headed over to her website and ordered a signed copy of the book. Awesome. I was so touched. Not only did she sign the book, but she personalized it for my niece. Last week, during our family vacation, I gifted it to my niece. To say she and the rest of the family enjoyed it is an understatement. Thank you, Robin, for the strength to finish this great alphabet book and for the extra personalization. You really made this little lady and her auntie feel special. And thanks to the Beans Queens for the pod and the good news, including a picture of my niece with her new favorite book and one of the family. Also for pet tax is my fur baby, Riley, who will be 14 at the end of July. When I rescued him, they said he was a puggle. I don't see one ounce of beagle, so I had him tested. <laughs> oh, ostriches eat sausages. She's adorable. Oh, my goodness. Look how cute this dog is. <gasps> what is it? There looks like there's blue healer face in there. Boston Terrier. Oh, we don't have answers, so this is just going to Oh, be we good. don't? Oh, oh no. no. Oh, do we? No. Riley is a pug, Cairn Terrier, Scottish Terrier. <gasps> oh. Oh, look oh, there's at one other picture. Okay. Oh, th- if you click on the picture, it actually yeah. shows. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, Karen look at that. Terrier. So it's a it's a Wizard of Oz dog. Got it. And a Scotty. I feel like Karen Terriers are always asking to talk to the manager. <laughs> Karen Terriers. <laughs> I get it. God <laughs> loves a terrier. God and this, loves. <laughs> this is a cool looking dog, by the it way. It really is. Neat. Thank you so much for that. All right. This is from James. Pronounce he him. Your Amy's court case about the color of lemon-lime pop reminded me of running the snack stand at the refreshment room at the Star Trek convention in Toronto back in the 90s. Of course it did. Right? Of course it did. All we had for drinks was pop shop discount soda. It wasn't that popular with the crowd, but by far the least popular flavor was the lemon-lime, which had an extreme version of that fluorescent, not-quite-yellow, not-quite-green color. Before long, we were running out of most drinks except the lemon-lime. We had to get people drinking the lemon-lime or drinks wouldn't last the night. However, I did find a way to get people to go for it. Knowing our customers, Star Trek fans, back in the middle of the Star Trek, the next generation run, who would know the original series very well, I made up labels for the drinks. But for the lemon-lime, I put Antarian Glow Water. That's fucking yes. hilarious. Yes. From season two, the trouble 13, with yes. trouble. We ended up running out of the lemon lime before anything else. That's brilliant. Oh my God. I hope that you took like little packages of sunflower seeds and labeled them Quadro Triticale. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, I just nerded out. You totally did. But I know you didn't lose half of our listeners, but the other half are like, what 
Okay, Quadro Triticale is the is the grain that the Tribbles gorged on, and that's why a million of them fell out of the storage compartment on top of Captain Kirk. Okay, well there you have it. You should. I wish you guys could see Ag's face. She's like, okay, go on, Dana. Okay, okay. So here's what happens with the Quadro Triticale. <laughs> okay, for pot pet tax, here are some glamorous photos of our cats. Tigger on my mother's comfy chair. Grendel staring intently into the camera, and Mouse putting on her most sinister look. They're no longer with us, but we still think of them often. Mm. Cobalt, the mini Aussie, is still recovering well from her medical misadventures this year. We had a great trip to the beach yesterday, though I didn't bring the camera. I may have more photos soon, though. And this cat. Yeah, they are. Those three cats are beautiful. I think we've seen these before, yeah. Along with the, the mini Australian Shepherd updates from Cobalt. Mm-hmm. Thanks, so James. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's really funny. Way to sell that bright yellow, whatever it was. Antarian glow water. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. All right. Well, that's it. That's the good news. If you have anything you want to send us, funny, quirky stories, just share your stories with us. I just love reading these stories. They're so incredible and amazing. Something weird happened to you one time, like... Like, I remember one time I put on a special concert to raise money for AIDS Walk, and it was with, uh, I had a, went in Rome and and um, Flock of Seagulls perform, and they all wanted me to come back to their hotel room after. Are you I kidding? This is a real story? I, yeah. And I was like, nah. And so, but then, so I had, so I paid them their fee. They were going to waive the fee, right? So I paid them their fee. That fee followed me for over 15 years as negative equity on car loans. Oh my it God. just got paid off last year. And from 2006, so I always called it the unrequited blowjob loan <laughs> that I never gave because I didn't suck a flock of dicks. Oh so my God. There, like stories like that. How fun. That is a good one. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like no, this is an AIDS benefit. No. <laughs> I'm going to fucking do that. And also, no. <laughs> like, oh my God. Oh, oh good times. Anyway, you can send those in at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. (laughs) (laughs) You moved on from that story. Anyway. All right. Let's close this out. One of stories like that will appear in my forthcoming book, which doesn't have a title yet, but I'm working on it. But it will. All right. That's it. Do you have anything uh, before we get out of here, Dana? No, I think we can sign off for the day. All right. Let's do it. Everybody, please take care of yourself. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health and take care of each other. I did that out of order, but it all still applies. I've been AG. And I've been DG. Them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.